Are you thinking about getting into Dungeons & Dragons? Maybe you're looking to expand your horizons as a DM or a player. If that's the case, then it's time for you to check out The Dungeon Cast, the best D&D podcast out there that helps you passively learn all about the game just by listening. Join co-hosts Will and Brian as they break down the lore of a rich multiverse 50 years in the making in a lighthearted and beginner-friendly way. They cover everything from character creation options to tips for dungeon masters. There's something for everyone, no matter how long you've been playing TTRPGs. Find the Dungeon Cast anywhere you get podcasts or on YouTube. The glass ceiling shattered. <laughs> the glass ceiling shattered and feminism was fixed. And you're all very welcome. Thank you. I, wow. Gina Thank you, Gina. <laughs> I've made everything better for everybody. I'm diking out, you're diking out. Let's dike out together. See what it's all about. Diking out, diking out, diking out, diking out. Hi, and welcome to Diking Out, a podcast that has more in common with Kelly Ripa than I ever would have guessed. I'm Carolyn Bergier. And sadly... Susan's, I have to inform you, I hope you're sitting down, that Sarah York will no longer be co-hosting this podcast. I know. Uh, This is hard for you. It's hard for me. I'm sure it's hard for Sarah. It's hard for all of us. I know you guys probably have a lot of questions, and I'm not going to get into the specific details of things, but I do think it's important to be honest and let you know that this was my decision and I didn't make it lightly and some of you might not understand that and I have to know that that's going to be okay. I hope that you all can respect this decision and uh, trust it. You know, partnerships can be hard. They're a lot like relationships and as you know, sometimes they get to a point where they unfortunately need to end and it feels a lot like a breakup and it sucks. I'm not going to lie about that. This is not fun. So what does this mean for diking out? Well, you know, I think that this podcast, when we started it too, it, it was always meant to be something more than me or Sarah. You know, it's not really about our personalities, though I think those are for sure, uh, a part of it and our stories and and everything. But it's really about uh, bringing other voices to the podcast and getting as many stories and perspectives and experiences heard. That's why we have a different guest every week. That's why we pick a different topic to explore, whether it's something that we personally have an experience with or not. So I think it's really important. And another goal was to make something funny on top of it, right? Because so much queer content can be depressing, can be a bummer, really serious, but our lives are funny, right? There's so much to laugh about within these topics, even within the sad stuff or the uncomfortable stuff. I know laughter has helped me so much throughout my life. That's why I'm a comedian and I want to be able to share that with all of you. So we hear from you all the time. We are constantly getting messages and emails and they mean so much. And I love every one of them and I try to respond to all of them. If I haven't responded yet, I hope that I will and hopefully I haven't missed it, but I really do try to get to every single one of you. And, 
you know, you let us know how much this means to you. And, um, you know, some of you don't have queer friends or you live in a conservative place or maybe you're not out yet. And this podcast and hearing these stories help you feel less alone and help you overcome any fears or maybe shame that you might be feeling and, you know, gets you out of the hetero world that we live in and lets you dike it up once a week. And I just want to keep doing that for you. So the plan right now is to do a live with Kelly type of thing. Uh, For those of you not in the U.S., that is a a TV show and bring in a different co-host each week when I can and keep bringing on these guests and these different stories and to keep diking out. So I need you guys to keep tuning in. Uh, You know, if you're angry at me, I get it. If you want to tell me it's okay, you can do that too. God knows I need to hear it. We're going to keep bringing in guests. We're going to keep making diking out because I really do believe in it. I believe in this community that we've built together. And without you listening, diking out is just going to be me screaming into the void about Jenny Schechter and Whitney Houston. So please keep tuning in and I will do my best to keep as much of the the heart of diking out in our episodes moving forward. So I know that you all are going to miss Sarah and I'm going to miss her too. You know, it's been two years that we've been making this together, over two years. I see her almost every single week. We talk almost every day and I, I get it. I'm going to miss her and I love her. I care about her and I sincerely wish her the best. And the good thing, you know, is that she's still out there. There's still Sarah York. She's just as funny as always. So if you don't already, you can follow her on Twitter and Instagram at the Sarah York. And I know many of you love her laugh. So, hey, you can edit it out of any previous episode and make it your ringtone. How about that? We have a great episode today. So take a deep breath in, exhale, and let's dike out together. Okay. Our co-host for today will be a familiar voice to many of you because she was a guest on one of her most popular episodes, which uh, thanks for letting us all know how horny you are. From our masturbation episode, it's Melody Kamali. Hi. Welcome back, Melody. Hi. Thanks for having me. Hello, Dykes. Thank you for filling in. Of course. Uh, And then today we are diking out with bi-coastal stand-up comedian Gina Bloom about trans-cis relationships. She is the host of Sweet, the Lady's Guide to Bro Culture. That's a podcast, and she has also appeared on Comedy Central and Viceland. Is that how you meant for it to be said? Like, sweet? Or no? Yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah. yeah. All right. You nailed it. Awesome. I was on an episode of it where I had to watch the Entourage movie. I've since forgiven Gina yeah. for asking me to do that. Here we are. <laughs> Finally friends again, yeah. I know. there. We had to put some distance between us for a while. Uh, no, that was an interesting glimpse into bro culture for me. <laughs> yeah, that was about as bro as an episode as we've ever done. Yeah. Uh, what are some other episodes that you've done, just so listeners get a sense for what this podcast is? Okay, so this podcast is uh, where, I, where I, I'm a transgender lady. And before I transitioned, I was heavy into bro culture because it was my culture. And I ended up watching like every stupid bro movie and doing a lot of stupid bro things and 
drinking craft beer and like just hanging out and doing bro stuff. And I don't do that so much anymore, but I kind of miss it. And I always wanted to like bring the 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 queer ladies that are in my life now and maybe the not so queer ladies, but whatever, ladies in general, we're all a little queer these days. And um, <laughs> just bring them into like the uh, the experiences that, that they may not have had, like the Entourage movie. Um, let me see here. We've done... We did a two-part episode on um, Infinite Jest. Oh, God. That was rough. That was pretty rough. <laughs> so you found somebody to read Infinite Jest. I found somebody to read Infinite Jest. In fact... Incredible. Th- which is incredible. An, an incredible testament to her patience. She is also a plus one at my little brother's wedding for me. So apparently that didn't destroy the friendship. Wow. I have tried reading Infinite Jest. If you're not familiar, listeners with Infinite Jest, it is an epically long book that meanders and is... 1,100 pages. Dense. I tried. I think I read that if you can get past 200 pages... Then you're probably gonna finish. No, not at all. <laughs> yeah, totally I got to untrue. like 180, and then I gave up. That. I never finished it. I used to work at this like indie movie theater, and I would be in the box office, and I always had that book with me. And I got more and more uncomfortable with how moviegoers, regulars, were commenting on how yeah. I was making no progress on it because they would see my <laughs> bookmark sticking out. <laughs> so I just tossed it and never finished it. I don't think I made it halfway through. You know, things are bad when you're being judged by the movie theater That's regulars. Right. <laughs> by these senior citizens. What's your problem, Mel? You haven't progressed an infinite jest. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> Whatever. It, wow. it, and then we also had like like a lit bro on the show that was like, he, just, he loved him some infinite jest. Yeah. And... He felt very ashamed by the end of the, the two episodes. So I didn't that. realize you did books, too, or just like... Yeah, we do that. culture. I thought it was just movies. No, because you've done Hooters, too. Yes, <laughs> we went to Hooters. Went, it, wow, that was a fun one. Yeah, it was it was an extra strength episode because we had three guests that time, and, and all of them gayer than the last, and we went to Hooters, <laughs> and it was kind of sad. We were like... All these guys that were in there were just like sitting by themselves watching sports, and it wasn't what we expected. But that's well, that's that's the beauty of that of that show. It's like we 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 have an expectation. Sometimes it's confirmed. Sometimes we're like, yeah, yeah. Infinite Jest is is excessive. Yeah, <laughs> we were right all along. And then sometimes we we were surprised. My favorite thing is that I imagine that guy who did read and love Infinite Jest. Like his whole life has built up to that moment where he could be on a podcast to talk about it. Be on a podcast and talk about it. Why read it unless all you want to do is tell people about how you made it through infinite chest? (laughs) That's it. It's like it's like climbing to the top of a very high mountain, and then you get there and you're just like underwhelmed. It's just like it's like you're looking over like the top of Cleveland or something. Like it's just (laughs) it's really just not worth the effort, but. But you did it, and you're in this little tiny club, and that's that's well, where we are. Congrats to him and and everyone else who may have gone through it. Yes. Um, a couple of quick announcements before we continue talking here. Our next show at Stonewall is November 25th. We have a great lineup. So if you're in New York that week, it's the week of Thanksgiving, but it is uh, a Monday night. So. 
come out to that. And December 16th, we have our Dyke the Hall show, a diking out holiday spectacular at Joe's Pub. If you want to get tickets, they are on sale. You can go to Joe's Pub uh, to their website or you can go to dykingout.com slash events. We have uh, a really great show coming together with some of our favorite past guests performing songs, telling jokes, doing sketches. It's going to be an incredible night and I hope you all come um, because as the band Queen said, the show must go on. So uh, please come out and we're going to have the gayest holiday time you can imagine. Also, a reminder that we are on the podcasting app Himalaya. So if you want to become a member of Decking Out on Himalaya, you can do that and then you'll get access to uh, extra content, our off-topic episodes, and also it's like a fun community channel where we can, um, you know, talk with you. Slack. It's kind of like a Slack, but with podcasters. I don't know. Does that sound fun? It does to me. So check it out. And one last announcement, as we expected, last week's episode is getting mixed responses. Uh, one thing I want to revisit and make absolutely clear, and I know most of you uh, loved it, but I know it was also a little bit triggering for some people. So I want to make it absolutely clear that it is never okay to hit your partner. Uh, I think we made that clear during the podcast, but I, you can never say it enough. So uh, at least, and also like outside of very consensual kinky stuff, if if that's your thing, but, but hitting someone out of anger or frustration is abuse. And if you're doing the hitting, you need to stop and seek help. And if you're someone who is being uh, hit or abused, please seek help. And a great first step for that is calling the National Domestic Violence Hotline at 1-800-799-7233. And I don't care if you are six feet tall and the person hitting you is a foot shorter and a hundred pounds soaking wet, it is not okay. So we left it uh, in the episode because, uh, you know, for those of you who listen, Whitney talked about how in the past, not anymore, she has since grown and knows it's wrong, uh, has hit people that she's been in relationships with. And some people were wondering why we left that in. We left it in cause it's important to talk about. That's why we have this podcast, right? To talk about important things that you don't hear elsewhere. So there you have it. Uh, this episode has been so uplifting, so far, uh, I'm going to change it up and talk about farts, specifically in regards to gender reveals, which we talked about last episode. But since then, there's been uh, a couple of updates. One, uh, a plane crashed. <laughs> Absolutely. In a gender sure. reveal. Sure did. So when we thought that the pipe bomb was like as ridiculous as it would get, uh, a plane crash. A plane crash. And I'm trying to, um, I think it was Joel Kim Booster who tweeted, can you imagine if a gay pride parade caused even one small plane crash <laughs> or explosion? <laughs> it would go nuts. They'd cancel us. And then a bunch of you listeners were sending me this video, which I think was definitely a joke and a parody of a, a group of women from a Facebook video where one of them is on the ground farting and farts out blue dust to announce it's a boy and everybody goes nuts. Uh, it's not explained why, but only one person in the video is wearing pants. Um, there's two other ladies who do not have pants on. And then, of course, the one on the floor farting also does not yeah. have pants on. Yeah. Have you seen this? I have, I have not have. seen it. Okay. Like, what explanation do you need sometimes? Melody, I should have sent you this video ahead of time. <laughs> yes, uh, please still do. I kind, Yeah, I kind of like... Uh, 
you to form your own mental image, though, because that can be fun, too. But just imagine blue dust. The blue dust is pretty impressive. Yeah. yeah. It is pretty impressive. I, I was like, if I were a young man and, like, I saw my mother, you know, fart to predict my gender, I, I would be fine with that. Yeah. <laughs> Plane crash, not so much. Is it a group of friends? No. I, is it a family? I don't <laughs> I don't even think it looks like friends. It looks like they're spoofing the ridiculousness of yeah, gender it, reveals. But if sure it is real, serious, but if it is real, um, that's probably my favorite gender reveal, to be honest, because yeah. you can't take it seriously. Right. Yeah. Like, I, I would think even if that were real, I would think that they're also spoofing the concept, obviously. Yeah. Farting your, your child's, you know, genitals is not. <laughs> Anything that should be taken too seriously, I don't think. Yeah. But isn't giving birth just a, a painful queef? Like, I don't know. <laughs> Essentially, yeah. Essentially, yeah. <laughs> a long, painful yeah. queef. Yeah, backed up. <laughs> oh, man. So, this week, Melody and I went to go see Robin Crawford speak. And yes. If you do not know, listeners, then you probably skipped over the first episodes of Diking Out, maybe the first 10 where I was obsessed with talking about Can I Be Me, the Whitney Houston documentary on Showtime, mm-hmm. and how for a long time I've been a Whitney Houston bisexual truther, which I think many people were, yeah. myself included. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. We had every reason to be, mm-hmm. right? From way back. From, From way, way back. back. Yeah. So. Then finally, Bobby Brown confirms it in his autobiography that came out a, a year or two ago yep. and said yeah. Whitney Houston was bisexual. She did have a relationship with Robin. We still didn't hear from Robin, though. She seemed very private. You know, maybe she wanted to respect Whitney's wishes and knowing that Whitney wouldn't have wanted this talked about. So I kind of really was blindsided by the fact that Robin Crawford came out with a autobiography detailing her life with Whitney. It's called A Song for You. Love it. Yeah, she was always referred to as the one person in Whitney's life who didn't exploit her for a book or a movie deal. But yeah. after that Showtime documentary, she had to say something. At that point, sure. And you got Bobby Brown, you know, covertly outing you anyway. So it's yeah. like, what, you know, the secret's out. Yep. Might as well tell your side of the story. Exactly. Yeah. So this was... Enough to get me to go out to New Jersey. Maplewood, New wow. Jersey. Maplewood. Wow. Yeah, which is adorable. Um, you drove there with your girlfriend. Yep. I made my girlfriend take off work so she could drive us. <laughs> <laughs> we made plans for this. Carolyn took the train. I took the train with another comedian, Gabe Morales, and I had never taken New Jersey transit before. I've taken the path mm-hmm. to Jersey City. That's fine. That's one thing. I've never been at Penn Station when all the trains are delayed shoulder to shoulder with commuters. And I imagine this is what, like, the last thing a lot of people see before they kill themselves because yeah. it is <laughs> horrible. It, it's so stressful. Like, and I had to eat dinner and, like, I I was so stressed Down out there? I couldn't function. Yeah. I, yeah, it was... But those of you who who've never been to New York and have this romantic notion of like ice skating at like you know in the park or whatever, and 
going to see the Statue of Liberty. No, it, it, it's, it's, it's a shit pit here. It's, it's an escape room, and they've let too many people into yes, the room. <laughs> absolutely. And Penn Station <laughs> is the center of all the circles of hell. Yeah. So there I am, but I'm like, it's okay, because at the other end of this... I will be rewarded with the truth for my pilgrimage. Yes. <laughs> yeah, for, That's right. For lesbian truth. And were we? <laughs> I mean, if you had to describe that talk in, in one word. Strange. Weird. Yeah. It was weird. It was so weird, listeners. I know I was kind of teasing it on Instagram stories. So Susan L. Taylor was uh, the editor, former editor-in-chief of Essence, and she was lovely. And she came prepared, so she thought. Prepared? Her first question to Robin was, so, tell us about the kiss. Was it not? <laughs> yeah. I mean, after after a nice, like, soliloquy intro, yeah. about, uh, you know, about the, the beauty of the relationship and everything— she asked about the first kiss. And that started us off on, I'd say, a master class on deflection. <laughs> <laughs> Just about an hour of deflecting any oh lesbian-related information. It was, like, it, for the first time, I doubted whether or not Robin and Whitney oh, no. actually were more than friends. Oh, no. I yeah. know. I'm like, I thought the book confirmed this, and I was mad, too, because the headlines... Still kept saying best friend Robin Crawford. I'm like, no, ex-girlfriend, ex-girlfriend Robin Crawford. Lover. And yeah, lover. Uh and then this interview, she just did not want to talk about it still. I'm like, okay, but at this point you you wrote a book and we're all here and people had tattoos of Whitney Houston on their arms oh, yeah. and t-shirts and sleeves. Yeah. <laughs> Which for a second, I was like, wouldn't that be awesome to have a sleeve of Whitney-related <laughs> sleeve, yes. <laughs> uh, In theory, yes. Yeah. She started, like, listing off all the songs they listened to together. I mean, that's pretty gay. It's pretty gay. I mean, everything about it is very gay, except she wouldn't talk about... I mean, your first kiss with a woman yeah, is, like, yeah. your mind explodes. She it's didn't, a huge thing. She didn't even talk... She didn't address it, though. She didn't address it. And then she... Re- Okay, so I listened very closely to that talk. I have an audio note on my phone. I recorded the whole thing. I thought this was going to (laughs) be a major event for me because like you, I've been obsessed with this relationship for years. I remember I turned over to whisper to you at one point. They had Robin's wife jump up and wave to the audience. And I just turned to go, I friend requested her on LinkedIn. I know. That's when I knew Melody was not fucking around. Okay. So I was ready just not to learn, just to confirm a lot of things. And so I didn't read the Lena Waithe interview in Oprah Magazine. I didn't watch the Wendy Williams interview. I was like, I'm just going to get it all fresh and in person. It's going to be the ultimate way to get this information this week. And so I, you know, listened to all the deflecting. And then I went home and I watched a lot of the interviews and read the interviews. And I found that she was just repeating what she had told us like a lot of deflecting people were asking so please tell us about the romance and you know the physical nature of your romance and she I even wrote it down and this is in the book I'm reading the book right now we wanted to touch each other dot 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 and we did once one night it was everything but we knew that everything was not all that would be just really vague like 
we wanted to, we did, but then we didn't for the sake of her career. But you know there was more because they shared an apartment together. They slept in the same bed, but she made it seem as if it was just one one kind of like, yeah, intimate kind of maybe moment or few moments in the beginning. And then just they sacrificed it for her career, which I don't think is true. But I haven't finished the book yet. Um, Yeah. Obviously reading that very quickly now. I mean, that is kind of a spoiler, at least... If that if that phrasing is correct, then it's like, oh my god, there's no sex in this thing. It sucks. But yeah, like I didn't expect her to describe like what Whitney tasted like or no, anything like not. that. Like I knew like, it wouldn't be like a salacious thing, but at least tell us like I don't know. I just thought that they'd been carrying on this relationship for for such a long time, and even Gabe and this is all rumors and hearsay right. was saying that someone he knew had been they were working. Whitney Houston's wedding Mm -hmm. and said that before the wedding, as she was getting ready, they saw her making out with Robin. And at that time it was supposedly over. So I don't know if Robin is just acknowledging as little as possible because Bobby Brown already put that out there. But then she was also saying like Whitney never used the term bisexual for herself. Well, of course she didn't like there was, you know, there was a lot of, um, homophobia like her mom was against it she was raised in the church and all that but my takeaway is that robin has a lot of internalized homophobia still even being married to a woman and having two kids yeah it's that's what i mean i hate to try to like psychoanalyze people that have had like especially someone that was in love with someone that passed away sure that Mm -hmm. that you know that's complicated yeah like we don't want to we don't want to you know judge robin based on what we don't know. Yeah. But I don't know. I don't know. Like I, I have this issue in in queerness in general where it's like get a little frustrated with like the older generation because they kind of cling to the closetedness. Yeah. Even when they're out, they're still not out. It's like but everyone knows. Like Robin was college woman basketball player gay. <laughs> yeah. And she's always really at least embraced the lifestyle, let's say. And a lot when, of bucket hats. Yeah. yeah a lot yeah. of bucket hats. I own a bucket hat. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Just Case the one. Closed. Just the one. Just Case the one. Closed. But she had multiple. Yeah. Multiple bucket hats. <laughs> um the evidence is is all laid out there. And when asked about her sexuality, she doesn't like labels. She yeah. talked about how she always just prayed to find somebody who would love her for being her and it didn't matter if it was a man or a woman to great applause from straight audiences on Wendy Williams show. Right. right. I'm like, well, Wendy, but you gay. Like (laughs) Wendy point blank asked her, are you a lipstick lesbian in that interview? Yeah. And you just saw her kind of like, did Wendy get into a time machine and like (laughs) dig that term out of the (laughs) nineties? Bless Wendy Williams. You know, (laughs) I don't think she really answered that question anyways. Um, Yeah, well, then she identified as being... So I think with Lena Waithe, she said that she was fluid. She called herself pansexual. Yeah, at the talk we went to, she identified as pansexual. It was kind of like dug out of her to pick something. Yeah. Um, So she went with that one that night. I understand if people... I don't know. I mean, to to each their own, right? That's what we always say. Exactly. Everybody is entitled to whatever they want to do. There's no wrong way to gay. Yeah. If you don't like labels, then then you don't like labels. This just clearly seemed like 
she doesn't want to say she's a lesbian because she grew up being told that gay people go to hell, that being a lesbian is bad, that being a lesbian would have ruined Whitney Houston's life, that being, you know, that, that your love is wrong. And, and that's sad. I just walked away from that. So sad. Yeah. It was eerie. Yeah. Um, it was just a very uncomfortable talk. We were going to stay and try to get our book signed, but we just kind of wanted to get out of there. Yeah. Yeah. We were like, Stunned, but also it must have been a weird one for us to go to. I don't know if she was extra guarded at the New Jersey talk because literally the first seven rows uh, were reserved seating for her friends and family. At one point, she's being questioned about um, Sissy Whitney Houston's mother, who obviously famously did not support their relationship. And she even stopped and um, kind of put her hand over her eyes and was like, Wait, is she here? Sissy, are you here? Yeah, like it was yeah. a lot of stopping to yeah. make sure the person she was about to talk about was in the room or not. So it was just maybe extra touchy for that reason. And I can get that. There's there's two things, not again, not to try and psychoanalyze someone that I'm not talking to. On the one hand, she is talking about a relationship with a person that's passed away that was closeted. Either she either she was or she wasn't, and if she wasn't, then then what are we here for? But if she was closeted, and we're pretty sure that she was to some degree, yeah, at least according to Bobby Brown, then she was closeted because, and that was her right to to be so. Yeah. So, I think you know Robin might have some like hesitation trying to negotiate what she wants to say because she is still going against you know this person's wishes that was very important to her. Yeah. And I have problems with that talking about like people like my family. My parents have passed away and I talk about them in my comedy act. And it's like, <laughs> how much how much right to privacy do, do, do the dead have? They, they yeah. wouldn't want, my parents wouldn't want to know, my dad especially, and fuck him, wouldn't want people to know that he has this trans kid. He has two trans kids, actually. And, um, and he wouldn't want me like airing, you know, family laundry, having it getting back, getting it back to him, getting it back to the people back in our hometown. Mm-hmm. Not quite the same thing, but I understand that, you know, people want to have their privacy. I, I don't, and I, I have debated, you know, how much I should be able to identify, people should be able to identify people from my life because it is so different now. And that is a bit of a negotiation. And it is also weird because like you said, she had family and friends there. And, um, yeah. And actually tomorrow afternoon, uh, relative to the time that we're taping, I'm going to my little brother, who's also trans, his wedding to another trans person. And um, at least one of my siblings will be there that who has not seen me since I came out. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. So <laughs> it's going to be kind of weird. So I get, yeah. I get like, like, you know, blaring the gay horn. On you know, in front of people who haven't who haven't heard that before, people who are close to you and who knew you a certain way, and like how weird it can yeah. be. So I'm I'm like 24 hours away from like this weird collision in my life, and obviously, like given the way that I look now, there's there's no there's no going back for me. But um, you know, I I guess I get it. It's just a disappointment that you know you buy a book for 30 bucks, you 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 buy a ticket to an event, you travel, you know. 
through fucking Penn Station of all places. Like, you want to be, you want you want to get what you paid for, but yeah, I mean, it's still her life, I guess. Yeah, yeah, I'm definitely. It, it's more like yeah, the the shock and surprise of it not being what I expected. But when you do think about it, and think about all the reasons yeah. that Robin does have to still be private about it, right? Um. Out of respect to Whitney and her own family. And yeah. Yeah. I think I just, you know, have been building this up for selfishly, I recognize, <laughs> for years. Um, yeah. And had really high expectations. I don't know what I expected, but... This is like the... This sky is like high. The, to, to go back to my show, the, the bro stuff, this is like the Star Wars prequels of, <laughs> of lesbian experience. <laughs> you built it up, and then you're like... Whitney Houston is my good. Star Wars. Yes. <laughs> Sissy Houston is Darth Vader. No. Oh my god! Yeah, um, I'm sure there's more. I'm um, just in the first couple chapters of the book. I feel like there's more written about um, than she's speaking about in these interviews. I just yeah. there's of course. I mean, and I still want to read it. I want to know about her relationship too with Bobby Brown. That's interesting, and, and to get that side of Whitney because I I do love Whitney so much, and I think it's going to be a good book regardless and it's just not the the like finally it's all out there like finally we can really fully claim Whitney as a bisexual icon yeah. uh you know that's just not the way it is unfortunately due to a, a lot of things and I guess you got to respect that yeah I know, I know. it's not all about <laughs> what me and Melody want <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Learn that lesson this week. I'll give you a little piece of tangentially related gossip since, since you were so disappointed. It's not it's not really anything, but but it is it is something that I like to talk about because it's so stupid that it happened in my life. I think it was, you know, years ago. I was living in LA just for the previous time and I was working on producing this movie and we wanted to get Ray J to be in it, to play a small part. And I had lunch with Ray J, and it was me and my producing partner. And Ray J is—he's in—he's—he's in this deserted restaurant inside, wearing sunglasses, and he's—he basically agrees to do our film in like the first five minutes, and then proceeds to pitch us on a remake of Purple Rain starring himself. Which makes no fucking sense. What? Because it was Prince's life story, but, <laughs> but whatever. That's what he wanted. Okay. And um, we were like, sure, man, send the check. We'll write that, whatever. And, um, and he never did. But the <laughs> next week, maybe two weeks after that, it was within like this, it was, it was right in that time period that uh, Whitney Houston passed away and he was in the hotel room. Really? Yeah. Yeah. So. And it happened on Brandy's birthday. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Who is, for those of you who don't know, mm-hmm. Ray J's sister. Ray J's sister, Brandy Norwood. Yes. And also Whitney Houston played her fairy godmother. It's all very tragic, you guys. It's all so interrelated, but like, <sighs> yeah, I was, we were right there. We were right there. Man. And I remember driving home and passing the Beverly Hilton during the time the police were in there. Oh my god. When she passed away that was I was actually in the traffic jam. Wow. When that happened. That is chilling. I have chills right now. Mm-hmm. R.I.P. Whitney. R.I.P. R.I.P. Whitney. Well, and- your story about 
the wedding you're going to, I think is a good segue into our topic sure. about trans cis relationships because we yeah. can talk about them in terms of romantic relationships, but mm-hmm. also friendships and, and family because Absolutely. Yeah. different dynamics are in play for all those things, right? Absolutely. Yes. It's totally different. And I, I've been out for four years and I have had relationships with, with, um, with cisgender people and men and women. And I, and obviously, you know, my interpersonal relationships aren't sexual friendships and, and family. They, they're all complicated and they're all informed by this change in my life. Mm-hmm. And in a lot of ways they're not because I'm still other than my appearance. I'm still basically the same person that I was, but yeah, let's, let's talk. Let's, let's discuss that. Yeah. So the relationships you've had romantically, they, uh, have you also had relationships with trans people too? Romantically, no, I haven't. Uh, I've dated uh, some trans men, but for whatever reason, it didn't work out. Mm-hmm. Um, I have kind of a reputation that obviously I've developed <laughs> very strongly of being highly sexual. Um, it's a bit of an exaggeration, as as most comedic uh, personas are, Uh I do fuck a lot. <laughs> Your life isn't a series of it's, thirst traps. It's not that a, you post. It's, it's not a series of. Uh, it's, it's not a fuck fest. It's like maybe half a fuck fest. Like <laughs> six months out of the year, yeah. I, I I fuck a lot, and the other six months I, I write and develop jokes. So yeah, um, which I commend anybody for because to me it sounds exhausting. It, it's uh, I'm I, what writing. It's all a lot of work It's all a lot of work um, And it's not for any specific reason Like I I've, I, I think trans men are great um, And I would love I'd love to, to date A trans man if he were a good dude um, And trans women I If you know I've been on some dates And I actually have a couple of Trans women that are that are in my DMs right now, and then we're sort of working things out, and maybe we'll get together, maybe we won't. Um, it's been quite a ride. I, I, um, I've developed. I think. I, I, early on in my transition, I didn't really want to um, date or even socialize that much with other trans people because I had done so much of that during my transition. Mm-hmm. That I wanted to get away from like trans stuff for a while. Like I've heard so much about every piece of this process. I wanted to like get into a broader world. Uh, that's why. That's how I started doing stand up. And you know, like anybody, you you develop, you get comfortable, and now I'm just happy to be with cool people, whatever they are. So you started stand up after you transitioned then? Like the month after. Oh yeah. wow. Yeah. I had I had finished my I had finished uh in stealth, as they say, mm-hmm. um about a year. I came out at work, so the last piece of the puzzle, I changed my name, changed my gender marker, and then I was just really fucking bored. Cause like my life had had been like really hectic for a while, then like everything calmed down all at once. And then I was expecting all this blowback. And all his problems, you know, work and and like political stuff and dealing with like life as a woman, and it was really not a big deal at all. Yeah, it turned out to be very like straightforward, very similar to my regular life. Uh, well, coffee, that's awesome. Coffee yeah. was still expensive. Um, yeah, 
there was there's differences. Sure. Obviously, but like it wasn't it wasn't this giant upheaval. And I was like, I should do something else with my life now. Yeah. And I started doing stand up and it stuck. It was like, this is a lot of fun. And I have a lot of shit to say. And I find a lot of it funny, so this is the perfect vehicle for me. And you're very good at it. Yeah, uh, Gina did our Stonewall show and killed. It was amazing to watch. I mean, I I performed uh, with Gina on many shows in the yeah. past, and the set at Stonewall was my favorite. And I don't know, I laughed so hard, I was like scream laughing. <laughs> Thank you. Are you thinking about getting into Dungeons & Dragons? Maybe you're looking to expand your horizons as a DM or a player. If that's the case, then it's time for you to check out The Dungeon Cast, the best D&D podcast out there that helps you passively learn all about the game just by listening. Find The Dungeon Cast anywhere you get podcasts or on YouTube. Would you say that a lot of the cis people that you meet in terms of like relationships or sex, are they people who have experience with trans people before or are they like curious people? I'd say it's about 50-50. Yeah. Um, I get a lot of, um, this is not going to sound too controversial. I'm sure this happens to, to all to all women on dating apps, but I get, I'll match with a, a girl on like Bumble or whatever and she'll be in a fucking couple. Mm. And yeah. Yep. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> happens, happens so much. My my boyfriend thinks you're hot. And like I've done a lot of that. I've done more than my fair share of that. I I am I am not opposed to it. I, I generally prefer them to be upfront about it because that's yeah, that's more of a specialty item to me. Yeah. Um and usually those are people who, who haven't experienced a trans person. They have kind of a bucket list mentality. It's a little objectifying, but you know what? It's also hot for me to get a lot of attention that's yeah why i do stand up that's why i that's why i will have sex with people sometimes just for the attention because it's, it's, <laughs> attention is nice yeah dude i i <laughs> went decades without attention and now i get it all the time and it's kind of addicting but yeah. um <laughs> i find that uh i find that the men that i hook up with on in solo it was like dates. They tend to be experienced with trans women. Like they've like they've kind of been to the, you know, through it, and they're okay with it to the point where like, okay, we can date. Because there's so many weird things with men in general. Men, yeah, men are just weird. Yeah. And as for the women, I have dated. Uh, I was in a relationship with one for a year and a half. I was her first trans person. Her first, you know, penis in general. Uh, gold star. And, you know, we took a couple of days to figure each other out, but it, it worked out just fine. And then I've had other, you know, women that may be on, more on the femme side of the spectrum that are very experienced with, like, this body. And they are, they're into it. Um, Was the Gold Star one the one that you refer to in your scissoring joke? I really hope she's not listening to this because it's... <laughs> Highly likely that she hears this podcast, but yes, she is. <laughs> and it's funny because um, she lives in LA and we've resumed our friendship. Oh, wow. And she went to see a show um, that I did. I mean, you don't say anything no, it's, bad it's, about it's, her. Like, there's nothing embarrassing it's very about positive. it. Very positive. Yeah. It's just, I'm basically saying what a good lady she is. So, obviously. But um, 
and then like we we getting, we're getting dinner after the show and we we you know we have our little like sandwiches or whatever and then you know it's getting close to the end of the the the, the dinner and she just like looks at me and says how many gold star lesbians have you dated <laughs> asking me like like if she's the one in the joke and I'm like oh yeah plenty <laughs> yeah, that's so many. I'm just, Hard to say. That's all I do. That's, all, that's literally all I do. You know, it's totally about her, and she'll kill me if she hears this. But you know, whatever. It's a good joke. <laughs> uh, what are the things that bother you the most about cis people? Oh, um, just like kind of the standard complaint, the objectification. Yeah. Um, this goes for this goes for you know. Um, Mostly for men, but you know, it was women that have identified uh, mostly in you know traditional cis straight relationships. They they tend to get a little objectification with me because I am you know again kind of a bucket list item for a lot of people. Uh, it's annoying, but it's not the end of the world. Uh, I I know that a lot of trans women in particular tend to take this a lot a lot harder than I do. Um, I'm pretty sexually open, so it's it's kind of like, you know, I I find different parts of people attractive. So if someone's attracted, to, you know, to the particular set of junk that I have, I don't see it that much different than me being attracted to, you know, people with like curly hair or yeah. or something like that. Uh, I this is just part of my body, as far as I'm concerned. Um, there's little there's little like things that people say a lot that are that are digs and they don't get it. Like mm. they'll say like, Oh, you're transgender. I never would have known. <laughs> like I get that. That's tr- they're trying to make a compliment yeah. out yeah. of that, but it's like, so what if you did know, like, does that make me less successful at being trans? Like, yeah. I mean the whole passing thing. Yeah. Um, obviously as a cis woman, I don't know I don't fully understand like those those pressures, but it's it's a thing that a lot of people seem to have a lot of different opinions on. And yeah. for some people, they're very concerned with passing, and they feel like if they don't pass, they're a failure. And then there are some people who are like, "This is who I am," and you know, and think passing shouldn't even be a thing. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. right. And honestly, it shouldn't. It shouldn't. Um, and this is coming from someone who wears a lot of makeup and has fake tits. So yeah. <laughs> it shouldn't be a thing. Uh, it hasn't been an issue for me because I am fortunate and it is 2019 and there are realities in this world that make for a passable trans person makes life a bit easier than for uh, someone who is not in within like gender expectations. Um, I think it's bullshit. Uh, but you know, I'm but one person out of a very small community to begin with. So yeah, it's helped me a lot being, you know, feminine looking in my career and things like that. Um, but I always feel like, I always feel a little weird about it. Yeah. Like it's like, because I, I'm relatively compact and. Uh, I have good hair or whatever, then I get to be on TV. Yeah. Whereas other trans women who aren't, you know, in this kind of body, they they haven't yet. Yeah. So it it is, it's, that's weird to me. But 
as someone who's taken advantage of it. Like it's, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it sometimes. I understand too why, why some people would want to pass for, you know, those reasons that you said, like it might feel easier for them or they want to. Well, it's also a big safety issue. A safety yeah. issue. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, though it also seems almost unfortunate that to pass, you have to lean into these super femme stereotypes of all the things that sometimes I think make women feel like we're, we're prisoners of this like Sephora culture or like heels and like certain types of clothing and all this makeup. And then you're all of a sudden having to spend like tons of money on waxing. (laughs) Like this is all the stuff that like oppresses us and you're having to like fully embrace or you don't have to, you don't have to, but like if, if you're trying to, to pass like leaning into all of those things that were like I don't want that <laughs> and I get that and I respect that and I respect the hell out of you know yeah. any kind of woman that doesn't that doesn't conform you know to like this what you said the Sephora culture but I also I'm also a, a, a VIB Sephora user so <laughs> hell yeah <laughs> me too I'm not judging anyone no not at shops all at Sephora. absolutely not I they, wear makeup to go to the grocery store yeah. I'm my mother's daughter <laughs> yeah like, same <laughs> and like I, I'm get ipsies <laughs> absolutely <laughs> and like I, I just drop you know I just drop 800 bucks on like on ladies suits to go to my brother's wedding because like I wanted to like I wanted to fuck with gender, but at the same time be pretty. So yeah. like, oh, I, I, that. I also, it's the perfect opportunity Two trans people getting married in a bookstore. Yes. That's <laughs> the perfect time <laughs> to fuck with gender and still be pretty, but I'm also getting my eyelashes done and I'm getting a blowout and I'm getting my bangs trimmed. So it's not like, it's not like I'm not, I'm, I'm, I I don't know if I qualify as hard femme or high femme or whatever the word is these days, but I don't I'm, know. I'm definitely on the <laughs> femme spectrum. Yeah, I can't wait for those pictures. I just feel like you should do a follow up interview here. Yeah, <laughs> oh, absolutely. That. Yes, <laughs> I know. I'm dying to know more about this wedding. And um, oh, one quick thing uh, with with the makeup. Have you had? The amazing experience of not wearing makeup and being told you look tired. <laughs> Just last night, in fact, uh. I got into my got into my Airbnb. I I did have makeup, but by the you know by twelve hours of being in in two airports and and on, on an cross country flight, it mostly gone away. Yeah, and and I was tired and. My Airbnb host is very sweet. He's like, hey, you look tired. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, motherfucker, I am. Why are we still doing this? Why, why does anybody Why does anyone, anyone think to ask that? What if yeah. this is my best? Yeah, yeah <laughs> what exactly. If this, what this is the best it's ever been. What if, this is, what, if, when, what if I am tired? Who cares if I look tired? Just let me be tired. Unless you have an amazing <laughs> bed that you have hidden behind the door. Yeah, <laughs> yes. what are you going to do? What, what's the <laughs> What's that question? What are you going to do about yeah. it? Give me a coffee. You want to buy me a coffee? Yeah. If you ask someone uh, if they're tired or tell them they look tired, you should Venmo them enough money to buy a fancy coffee. New rule. There yeah. you go. Yes. Yep. Eight bucks. Problem solved. If there you're you extra go. annoying about it, a facial. Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Second offense. Yes. <laughs> uh, so you mentioned that your, your brother hasn't seen you. No, my brother has. Oh. Um, it's my... My Your little other... sister. Oh, okay. So okay. I have, we're a family of five okay. siblings. I have, 
I'm the third. I'm the middle kid. I have an older brother and sister, and I have not heard if they're attending. I don't think they are, but the youngest sister is. I've got confirmation on that, and she is by far the coolest of the bunch. Uh, she'll have no problem with it, but she still has not seen me. She's seen me on social media, um, but not in person. And I believe she's actually getting in like right now. Um, they are having dinner tonight. My my little brother who's getting married and his spouse and then their parents and then our, our little sister. And they invited me and being the asshole comedian that I am, booked three spots <laughs> yeah. on the same night. So like, no, I really can't. I can't do dinner. I have I have to be at Halyards at eight thirty. <laughs> Halyards is a bar in Brooklyn. Very important yes. room. Yeah. Very important room. <laughs> <laughs> they all are. Yeah, it's um, with family. It's interesting. So the experience that that I've had with this has been through my uncle who's a, mm-hmm. a non-blood uncle and his son is trans. Oh. And I when um when my uncle came into the family, uh I kind of met his son pre-transition. Right. So I was there for for the full change the full thing sure and the conversations you know i was privy to some of the conversations going on around the time that it was happening and hearing from his perspective it's you know you you grow up with these memories of you know these like father daughter dances mm-hmm. and and mm-hmm. things like that and then all of a sudden you're like well what does this mean for all that and now fast forward to now where and my uncle has been, at least as far as I know of of the experience, I'm not like super, super close. Right. Uh, because we, we don't live in the same place. But I know like his uh, his trans son was the best man at the wedding to uh-huh. my aunt. And I know that he, um, when he talks about those memories in the past, uh, uses his name now. Right. You know, and... Uh, seems to have like fully gone through, did the work to, you know, wonderful, learn everything. Wonderful. And, and this was a family that, you know, grew up in North Carolina. So mm. not, not yeah. the worst of places, but not the best. Certainly not. <laughs> yeah. But my family grew up in central Florida. Oh, also well, possibly yeah. <laughs> close to the worst of places. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> Certainly. Were not. you a Disney family? Yes, my my mother worked at Disney World. Oh, uh, really? Yeah, absolutely. Oh my we, god, my sister's gonna be so jealous when she free hears passes this. growing up. That's oh my god, so cool. We did all of the we did all the parks. Um, we were a Disney family too, but not. I, it would have been my sister's dream, I think, if my mom worked at Disney. Yeah, I every re- kid's dream. <laughs> I remember right. my little brother, the one who's getting married, uh, had a birthday party there, and I was. I was aware of my queer identity, but like I wasn't sure of its boundaries. Mm-hmm. And this attractive young man tried to pick me up at at Disney World, and I almost did it. I was like, "Oh <laughs> shit, this is so much more tempting than I thought it would ever be," and I didn't do it because you know it was a birthday party for like a nine year old. But 
<laughs> but if it wasn't, if it was for any other reason, I would have gone into that bathroom with him. Mm. How did how did that shape you? Because Disney is a place that's so rooted in the binary. Uh, I guess other than well, maybe not. I mean, you have like the princes and the princesses, yeah. but then you have like. Ursula, oh yes, yes. <laughs> or like, or you yeah. have like the eels, or like the like like different characters where like gender might not be, you know. All I have to say <laughs> is that it is shocking to me that the rest of the family did not see it coming. Yeah, um, <laughs> with both of us, with with my little brother and me, because like here I was, never dated yet somehow had a tremendous wardrobe of, like, kind of feminine clothes. Yeah. And, um... Like Harry Styles? Kind yeah, of, kind yeah. of stuff <laughs> like that, sure. Um, wasn't quite stylish enough to pull it off back then, but yeah, very, very, very twinky. And, um... And I would take them, my my younger siblings, to, like, all the Disney princess movies. I was like, just, oh, we, oh... Hunchback of Notre Dame. Oh, fuck it. Let's go. Let's go, yeah. let's go see that. Yeah. Just, just drag them to like, they wouldn't even know they wanted to go yet. Like, oh shit. It's another Disney princess movie. Come on. Let's do this. Yeah. And then my little brother, who they thought was a girl back then, slept next to uh, a five foot Xena warrior princess, Standy. <laughs> that like overlooked his bed. So. Oh my God. Where do I get that? <laughs> I, I have no idea. <laughs> And, you know, stood in the most unfeminine of ways and was like, I don't know how my parents couldn't see this train coming. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, this is like, you're, you got some very gay kids, you yeah. guys. That's <laughs> all, all I got to tell you. What's the age difference between you and your brother? We're 11 years apart, so it's pretty big, but, um, but it helped me to like, because like I, you know, because we were very poor. So I was sort of the um, unelected guardian slash babysitter of the, yeah. of, the, of the younger two. So I do have kind of like paternal. Oh, shit. I just misgendered myself. <laughs> Maternal <laughs> feelings. I have parental feelings <laughs> toward them. Um, I guess they were paternal back then. I don't know. Gender's weird. <laughs> yeah. That's all I'm yeah. saying. Life is weird. <laughs> I need to turn in my trans card. Um, I just, that was weird. Do not edit that out. This is, this is life in process. I was just going to ask you. <laughs> you want me to edit no, that? No, not a bit. Great. No. Um, so I have like, you know, you know, parental feelings toward them. Yeah. And, and like, and I'm very proud that he's getting married and his, his spouse who is non-binary is, is, you know, an awesome person. And I, I got to see them meet and... And it's great. And it, when did his transition happen in relation to yours? At the same time. At the same time. Yeah. Wow. We're we're famously, and by, and I say famously in quotations, <laughs> we're famously written about in New York Magazine right right as we were starting. Oh, so wow. If, if your listeners want to do a little extracurricular research, just look up Gina Bloom, New York Magazine, and you can read the whole story as it was four years ago. Wow. wow. That's interesting. Uh, and, and you're definitely, you're not... The only person I know who is trans and has a trans sibling. Yeah, yeah. we've heard a lot. Yeah. Um, 
like we thought we were so special. Yeah. <laughs> at first, but then they're like, all of a sudden they're everywhere. Yeah, um, you thought you're going to be the the Tegan and Sarah. Yeah, of- <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Some hot shit going to ride this to like a TV deal, but no, it was just life. But yeah, yeah I, I I have some. I have some friends that that are actresses. They're they're trans sisters. Both of them trans. Both of them sisters. Um, and they work. I haven't seen them in a while, but they you know they work out of New York City a lot. Uh, obviously, the Wachowskis came out right around the same time that we did. Um, and it gets around. I, I I can't say why, but it happens. I imagine that that there's definitely a difference between friends who knew you before and then friends who you've only met. Yeah. It is weird. Um, I don't have a lot of continuity from the friends that knew me before. Mm-hmm. It's not just because of the transition. Some of it is. Um, but I had gone. Oh, really? So you've lost friends because of it? Just people who yeah, they just kind of are dropped the worst? Out. Yeah. They are the worst. Yeah, they just kind of dropped out. Florida um, friends? Florida friends, yeah. Well, yeah, goes without saying. <laughs> Absolutely. The worst um, friends are Florida friends. Just yeah. kidding. Love you, Florida Seasons. Okay. And like, there are some that, you know, became closer Yeah. after the transition. Uh, I, have a, I have some female friends. I have my, my roommate in L.A. Uh, knew me years before. Yeah. And um, And now she's my roommate in L.A. and like. We hang and talk shit about our sex lives and, you know, go shopping. We have very different tastes, so we don't do it that often. But, you know, we we do we do what we can. Yeah. And, yeah, so, in, so with women, with, like, cis women, I would say the relationships have gotten stronger. Um, I actually haven't seen too many of my cis men friends back in the day. Um, the ones that I have have been cool. And I, I expected them to be cool. Mm-hmm. They're like kind of the artsy actor friends that obviously they're going to be cool with it. Uh, and those that drop out, fuck them yeah. at this point. Fuck yeah, them. you don't need that in your yeah, life at exactly. all. One of my favorite stories is what happened when you moved back to L.A., and we're I was just going to bring this up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, we've covered romantic relationships, yeah. friendships. Can we please talk about this work relationship the story? The work story. Yeah. Okay. One of my favorite stories. So yeah. It's I, very empowering. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. So I was living in LA for the previous time, 2007 to 2011, and I was working at the startup. And uh, for reasons that are kind of outside of my control, I got into a personal situation that made work untenable. Uh, they didn't really know the deal and um, fired me. And I thought that was it. Uh, I heard that the CEO at the time was, you know, very much not in my corner. And, you know, I moved on. I I eventually found my way to New York City 2014, started transitioning, started doing comedy, all that. And... Um, I ended up getting laid off about eight months ago from my job in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, part of the whole like media downsizing thing, all that yeah. the video that didn't work out. So I, I got laid off. It was either to get laid off or move to Boston. So I, I was not going to do that. <laughs> Understandable. <no. laughs> I'll, I'll take I'll take the buyout. Thank you. Um, I used to live in Boston 
and I also left Boston. So I understand it (laughs) as well. Boston's a weird city if you're not a college student. I loved it for the time that I was there. But if you're not a college student. The best for college. Yeah. yeah. It is one big college town. And, you know, it's good for it's good for comedy, too. But um, yeah. Anyway. But I I, I wasn't in the mood to move to Boston. Um, I already didn't like the cold and it was going to be even colder. So I was like, all right, I got laid off. I had some, I had a few months to figure myself out and I had started talking with people in LA that worked in the TV industry and they were interested in reading what I had to say. And I had made a lot of friends in the LA standup industry, standup scene. So I was like, fuck it. I'm going to move to LA. And if it doesn't work out, I can always come back to New York. It's yep. not like it's going anywhere. So I'm, I go to LA and it's I It's not have, going anywhere just yet. Not the, yet. the sea levels are rising. Continue. <laughs> if the sea levels rise, L- LA will be gone too. Yes. So <laughs> both coasts will be gone at the same time. And then, you we know, all move to Central Florida. No, that might be under two. That will be a, all right. Columbus, Ohio will be the hot place after that. But um, yeah, so I, I moved there and like I, I needed work and I was just like, fuck it. I'll, I'll, I was just mostly just joking. I applied for a job at the company that my old company had become, they got bought out. And, and the recruiter got with me like the next day, like, oh my God, your resume is, is amazing. You have to come talk to us. So I ended up interviewing and I interviewed, you know, as a woman with this guy that I had worked with when the company was, when I worked there before. I didn't even realize the person interviewing you. Absolutely. Was a co-worker. Absolutely. I knew this guy. Oh I knew this God. guy and he did not recognize me. One bit. That had to be so distracting. That was like, so fucking weird. I would have been watching him trying to see at what point, if ever, things If ever, up. yeah. If, 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 and it didn't. It didn't. It didn't. Yeah. We talked about this. Yeah. Because, spoiler alert, I work there now. Yeah. And, like, <laughs> and like I, and I interviewed with this other guy, and he mentioned, he mentioned me. <laughs> like, not me now, but me then. <laughs> like, did you work there when blah, blah worked no there? No way. Like, and, like, Wow. Yeah, I, I guess I did. <laughs> I, guess, <laughs> I guess I worked there when I worked there. So, <laughs> and like apparently he had, he had started like right after me or something like that. So I think like I think actually me getting fired actually got him his job somehow. Oh, wow. And like, and it was like that's so fucking strange. And like I just didn't, I was like, well, that's a good story. I'm gonna put that in my back pocket. Yeah. And and I never expected to get the job because they eventually did figure out who I was because. One of the people that was instrumental in me getting fired the first time around still worked there. And I was like, all right, well, they're obviously not going to hire me back now. Wow. And then I went back in for another interview. And this time, everything, all the cards were on the table. And I was like talking to the my old coworker who was, in, who was trying to become an employee of. And I'm like, look, this is what happened. I understand why you guys fired me. There's a lot of stuff going on you know, behind the scenes that you weren't aware of. Obviously, this part of my life. The trans part was not public yet. And he's like, you know, I like you a lot. I'm going to try and get you on. And then took him about six weeks of convincing everyone else. But he got me the job there. And he not just didn't just get me the job, but he got me like an 85% raise based on what I used to make there. So like. And then the glass ceiling shattered. The glass ceiling shattered and feminism was fixed. And you're all very welcome. Thank you, Gina Bloom. Thank you, Gina. I've made everything better for everybody. (laughs) What a great story. I, yeah. 
That's so cool. And and of course it doesn't end there because now I now I now I work there. Yeah. And I go there and uh it's mostly remote. Yeah. So that's not too different. But I you know, I'll go in there two or three times a week depending on what I'm doing. And like he'll be there and I'll see, you know, I'll I saw my ex boss, the one that the one that was, you know, part of firing me. I saw him the other day. He looked right past me, had no idea who the fuck I was. <gasps> Cause like I look very different and I'll, and like I went to like this after work party and there were like three or four dudes there that I had gotten drunk with and had smoked weed with and they had no idea who I was <laughs> or else they were warned ahead of time and they knew, but it, it's like this weird undercover thing. Like I'm in this world and I'm reliving it. I'm reliving like my steps. And I'm living, you know, in LA again, which was where I lived the last time before I, before I transitioned. And I'm like, it's this weird, like undercover ex- experience for me now. I'm getting like the the life on the other side of the binary. Yeah, for sure, the plot of a movie. Oh yeah, yeah and I yeah. will watch the shit out of this movie. Uh, obviously, yeah. I live in Los Angeles. Obviously. I do have a pilot already developed for this. So if there are any TV producers out there listening. Hit me up. Yes, I'll sign. We'll, we'll we'll sign some releases, and I'll send it right over. It's too good. It also sounds like it's well positioned to eventually be turned into a musical as well. <laughs> so now you're talking egot. For yeah. Me. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> definitely. Definitely going to egot. Off the bar is high for yeah. you. Yeah. Uh, but I know you can do it. So I think you're yeah. going to get an egot. Yeah. Out of yeah. this story, this you deserve one it. story is because we're going to egot definitely. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and one last thing I want to talk about before we get to our listener question is that uh, you are Filipina. Yes, yes. And how, what What are the differences, I guess, um, in that culture in terms of the way that it looks at gender and, and sexuality? Obviously, there's religion in play. Yeah. The Philippines is it, it's it's a weird experience because it's it's a Catholic country. Yep, and it's very religious there. My mother was very religious. I, I am biracial. Um, Mom Filipino, dad was white, and I didn't get the full traditional Philippine experience because not only you Central know, Florida, Central Florida, and my dad he didn't speak Tagalog. He didn't like the food, so we didn't get a lot of exposure growing up until. Until, you know, we were a little bit older and my mom took back some of her agency. She got a little feminist there. He didn't like the food. He didn't like the food. The food is really good. The food is amazing. That's the only... What is his problem? What is... He he liked his french fries and, (laughs) you know, whatever. Now you've got a whole Filipino town in LA. Yeah. Yeah. Um, (laughs) And so, like, it's a paternalistic culture, absolutely. And, like, there's a lot of, like... There's a lot of like internalized superstition, even though we've all kind of gotten past like a lot of it. There's still like a certain level, like uh, the older generation still still kind of still kind of sort of believes in magic. Like my mother was mm-hmm. very much about like elves and witches, and she thought like she thought her grandmother was trying to seduce me into Satanism somehow, <laughs> even though she lived on the other side of the world. Um, I was going to say it sounded pretty gay up until the Satanism it part. It's pretty gay. It's I mean it's pretty <laughs> yeah. gay. It's pretty gay. And like they but they're like they're weirdly but they were weirdly like okay with trans things because 
I guess kind of similar to Thai culture that there is. That's what I was wondering how that, similar it was. That there is, because they're, they're real close to each other geographically. And yeah. like there is, there is an acceptance, but it's, you know, it's based on drag and it's based on sex work and it's based on things that, you know, kind of deny the trans women in those cultures a full experience. Like I know in Thailand, if you identify as trans, you have to be a sex worker. At least that's what I've heard. Like there's no other job for you to do. Oh, that's uplifting. Yeah, it, yeah. That's the opposite I, of the I, glass ceiling. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't. I mean, don't not quote to knock, me on that. Not but to like, knock se- sex that. work. Sex work is not not at all. Yeah, but when you're okay, if you want to do if it, you want. But to if do you, it. it shouldn't be like a sentence yeah. for yeah. just yeah. being who you are. And so there's like there's a lot of sex tourism in, in the Philippines, and there's a lot of things like that. But what I have found since I transitioned and since I've reconnected with, you know, my mother's side of the family and not the actual family, but like just the, you know, the Philippine culture. Yeah. Because I've met a lot of people, especially in New York and LA, where there's a lot of, LA has got a great Philippine like micro community within, within comedy. Mm -hmm. It's really refreshing. And so I, I feel kind of like, I feel kind of like the crazy aunt to a lot of these like younger Filipina comics and that's wonderful. And I, I feel it stronger now that I've transitioned, stronger now that I've, you know, I've entered a, a comedy community than I ever did when I was growing up. That's awesome. Thank you. Cool. Well, thank you for sharing all of that. Uh, now we're going to get to our listener question. Oh, wonderful. This listener uses they, them pronouns. So just to ground us with that. Well, they are very cool. Yeah. I started listening to your podcast when my ex-girlfriend got me hooked on it in December. It became a vital tool in making it through all of those 24-hour round-trip drives I was making to visit her. So we're talking mm-hmm. LDR here, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which, Melody, you're familiar with, oh, right? Oh, time. As yeah. Am I. Yep. <laughs> uh, as time went on, lots of things became frustrating in our relationship. And your advice on the pod helped me realize I couldn't keep putting in so much of my time and energy to maintain this connection even though she was my first love, because it was keeping me from forming other meaningful relationships. This is probably based on me talking about my long-distance relationship when I was 21 and how it made college less fun. (laughs) Anyway, so due to the distance and the fact that I am only 21 years old and in college, I broke it off in May. I've been much happier since uh, meeting new and interesting gays through apps and common queer hangouts in Gainesville, Florida. Shout out to Florida. Oh, good old Florida. Yeah. I know Gainesville. Oh, man. Here I was dunking on Florida when our listener question comes from Florida. So we get Gainesville guest. is a relatively cool town for Florida. Yeah. Relatively cool. I mean, Floridians are self-aware. We know. We okay. know. We're you very aware. We're, yes, we are. I've spent a lot of time there. I still occasionally talk to my ex as we are locked into a Thanksgiving slash her birthday combo trip oh. with my entire family. Only half of them know we aren't together anymore. I didn't want to cause any more drama with my parents or make them feel that my relationships are less serious than my straight siblings by informing them that we've since split and the cruise tickets were (laughs) non-refundable. I have a lot to say about this. I know. This just gets like more and more nightmarish. So much, Uh, so much. 
what are some tips on how to keep this vacation fun and generally unproblematic for me, my family, and my ex-girlfriend, who I still care about as a friend and colleague, but definitely do not hold any romantic feelings for? So that's the question. I don't... Colleague. That's colleague. Piqued my interest, yeah. 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 Well, a lot of things to unpack here. Uh, so you're going to be in international waters. Uh, yeah. So jumping overboard is always an option. You know? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> repatriate yourself to the Bahamas. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so that that lady that I had mentioned, we were together for a, like a year and a half. Yeah. And it was long distance. She lived in LA. I lived here. And I was doing, you know, the cross country trips. Yeah. Um, a lot, about every two months. Uh, and it was great for like the week we'd stay together. And then it was got really difficult. We'd have to talk on the phone a lot. And I remember she was the one that would initiate those conversations about maybe this isn't the best for us. And yeah. I was like, no, we'll, we'll work it out because, you know, I, I I was raised, you know, to think like a dude and every, everything's always solution-based. So, like, we're always like, fuck it. Well, I'll just, I'll, just, I'll just write some formulas here and we'll figure it out. And she was like, you know, no, you know what? I think, I think we're holding each other back. And um, she was right. Um, so, you, one thing, you made the correct decision. And what you'll find, um, you're 21, so you're going to find out regardless. What you'll find is that you never really break up with your exes in the queer community. <laughs> they're, they're, yeah, never, queer community. they're never really gone. Yeah. They're never really out of your lives. They'll, it will get, it'll naturally sort of reach an equilibrium. Um, I hang out with my ex. We were going to go see uh, the lighthouse last week, but, you know, got canceled. So whatever, we'll, we'll check it out. Um, this could be good practice. This, this, yeah, for absolutely. for lesbian or you know queer uh, or however you identify <laughs> for for that kind of culture, right? Yeah, of, of being friends with dodging. exes. Yeah, yes, <laughs> dodging culture. Yeah, let's get into it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, you're not the first and you're not the last. Absolutely to not. Make plans, uh, travel plans. Non-refundable travel plans <laughs> with someone you are dating. I had a roommate who was gay, and she and her girlfriend, right off the bat, were making a lot of travel plans like eight months out. And I was thinking, what are you doing? Yeah. And then, of course, they broke up. Yeah, And they decided actually not to go on the trip together. And one of them, even though it was non-refundable, was like... Just ate the cost. Yeah, just ate yeah. the cost. And sometimes you have to do that. Sounds like you've already decided you're not doing that. So I think I think you should just tell your family. And I understand the, those fears because I had those fears too of like every time I broke up with my girlfriend that, oh, my mom's just going to think that it's because either I'm not really gay or this is a phase or whatever. So I would like really make it seem like the relationship was like the most important thing and like hide any signs of trouble from people so that they wouldn't think it was less legitimate. But all relationships when you're 21, like are for the most part, you know. Yeah. Yeah. 21. I mean, aren't going to last. Right. And Uh, nobody's going to hold it against you forever. (laughs) Yeah. I would definitely tell everyone. Yes. They said that, you know, certain family members know not everyone going on the trip yeah. knows if it's not too late if yeah. they're not already in the international seas I would definitely let everyone know just to eliminate that stress mm-hmm. yeah talk with your ex about 
how you're going to handle being confronted with it. Yeah. Because you will, maybe. But also just know that, you know, this is your ex. You're 21. You got a lot of life in front of you. This person is going to supply you with maybe half the relationships that you'll have. All of all of her friends will become your girlfriends. <laughs> <laughs> so, so just know that even though you guys aren't together anymore, that... She's gonna be a part of your life as long as as long as it doesn't end in disaster. You'll you'll have like a, a you'll have a different relationship, but yeah. it'll still be pretty great. Yeah, they seem like they still have an amicable yes relationship. Yeah, so. yeah. So tell tell the family, uh, know you did the right thing, and also if you need to set boundaries uh, with your ex during the cruise, if you feel like just to protect yourself, like setting boundaries is always a good thing, and setting Absolutely. expectations yeah. beforehand. Mm-hmm. And yeah, honest communication will make any messy situation feel so much better. But the way to make things awkward and uncomfortable and painful is by lying. Yes. (laughs) Well, the lies will accumulate. Good luck with that. Have a very happy Thanksgiving. Um, Man, uh, Melody, thank you for filling in as co-host today. It was great to have you back here. Where can people follow you if they're not following you already on social media? It is at Melody Kamali. Just my first and last name all over the internet on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. My website's MelodyKamali.com. Awesome. And there they can find all of your upcoming comedy shows. Yeah. Once I get my shit together, I will be (laughs) updating my calendar on there. I'm so bad about updating my calendar. I got a... I just deleted the page. I had a calendar page yeah. and I got overwhelmed uh, with not updating exactly. it. So I deleted it. I but just took it off too. Your listeners are going to keep me accountable. Yeah. So please All right. follow me and DM me about how <laughs> lack of updates, the lack of updates you're seeing on my website. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. And then Gina. Okay. You can find me uh, on Twitter and Instagram at Gina Bloom, J-E-E-N-A-B-L-O-O-M. Uh, you can also follow my podcast on the More Banana Network. Uh, lots of female-led content right there, and um, and listen to my episode, yes, sweet as well, uh, and, the Entourage movie episode, yes. And Sarah York is going to be Sarah York will be on an upcoming well. episode. Yes, she will. We'll be talking about Fast and Furious. That's the fourth film in that franchise. <laughs> I know she's looking forward to it. <laughs> it's going to be, it's going to be fun. That is the worst movie in that franchise. So we've we've saved the worst for her. Um, I, yeah, I wasn't sure if you're going to make her watch all of them. No, she's she asked me that, and I was like, I wouldn't do that to you. <laughs> it seems like a series where you can watch any of them, and right or well, Carolyn. I don't know how well you know the Fast and Furious franchise. It is extraordinarily gay. So I, I, think, you'll, I think you'd be pleasantly surprised. I It's been so long since I watched a Fast and Furious movie, but I know my mom has seen them all and enjoys them all. Yes. Was it filmed in Cuba, the fourth one? Yes, so I think I, so. I went yeah. to Havana and the, was Vin Diesel in it? Yeah. yeah they yeah. were all there. Um, There's huge crowds. They're celebrating. They had a like, release party. Wonderful. Oh, wow. That is literally all I know about. <laughs> well, it's a delight it's all a delight so listen uh, to Carolyn's episode listen to Sarah's episode Melody I will, I'm sure I will have you on Would there love to. Um, I will make you watch something terrible I'm sure or or take you to some horrible man restaurant I don't know we'll figure it out there's a lot of bro culture yeah, out let's there let's go to the tilted kilt <laughs> <laughs> there you go there you go 
Coming up. <laughs> New so episode. much fun. Uh, you can follow me personally on social media at TGI Carolyn. And some of you have may already seen, I've started a very silly Instagram TV series called, what else? Uh, Susan. It's called Susan, where I am playing the gay character missing from your favorite TV shows. Uh, this started when I was in Big Sur for a wedding and driving through like Monterey and the uh, Highway 101, I think it is, down the coast. And of course, that's where they filmed a lot of Big Little Lies. And I was just kidding around in the car and Cecilia started recording. And now we have this fun little series that I'm doing. So uh, hopefully going to keep it up with other shows, but you can check that out at TGI Carolyn. And I need to update it, I know, but you can also follow at Every Gay Susan on Instagram. And then follow us at Diking Out on all platforms Twitter, uh, we're on Facebook, we're on Instagram, obviously. And you can find us on Himalaya or if you want to get Diking Out merch and hear our off topic episodes, uh, you can go to patreon.com slash Diking Out. Thank you so much for diking out with us today. And please, please, please dike out with us again next week. Bye. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world. That ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.